my reaction, instead of yelling at everybody, telling them to shut the fuck up, I punched the two-inch granite countertop. My daughter, I tell my, my psychologist, this, she says, now, why would you do that? It was the only way to get my mind off everything going on. Mm-hmm. The pain. Now, I'm not going to cut myself. I'm not suicidal or homicidal. Never have been, never will be. However, I know that if I can make my mind think about something else, then I can calm myself down. Unfortunately, I punched the granite countertop. I thought I broke my knuckles. Thank God I didn't. Yeah. When you do things like that, we have to change and we can't refuse. And the honesty comes in. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in the basement, very basement I'm sitting here, and not for hours on end because it's not a self-pity party. I, I promise you that. But where I come in here and it's like, okay, what the hell do I do now to change myself? What did you do wrong? How do you change that? I go through the whole scenario. Okay, my wife did this. Is that her fault? No. My kids were doing this. Is it their fault? No. My dogs were doing this. Is it their fault? No. And you realize that it was something in you that was triggered and you need to fix it. And you have to find a way to fix it. The problem is finding the solution to that is not always fun. And it all often looks back at you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the old adage, be careful pointing one finger because you got three pointing back at you. Yeah. You know, the, the funny thing about that, I think that's why the Marine Corps knife hands, that way nothing ever points back. <laughs> <laughs> Great point. Yeah, yeah. There's an important aspect about what you just brought up, though, like like punching the countertop, for example, that has a sort of resounding impact as well, right? Like you, you mentioned your kids, and timing in your life is sort of irrelevant in this point, but anybody, generally speaking, Right. Kids are going to see and hear whatever happens. They're going to see and hear the trauma. They're going to see and hear the impact as it applies to, you know, one individual, whoever that happens to be. Let's just say for the sake of argument, you in this case, for a a sort of grounding example, assuming both of your kids were there and old enough to recognize what was happening. They saw you hit the counter. They saw you get upset, regardless of how it manifested. But, you know, they could pick up on things like that, just like other humans can pick up on things like that. But I think the other half of that coin is whatever you're doing physically or in your head mentally to recover from that kids need to see and hear the recovery as well. You know, like they pick up on how to respond to issues from what they see and hear until they grow up and develop their own ideas and things. And this is just my observation. I'm, I'm obviously not a doctor or anything, but you have a finite amount of time. You, you being anybody have a finite amount of time to teach kids options on how to respond to issues and, and conflicts and physical aggression is an option. There's no need to shelter from that. It, it is an option, right? But you've got to understand, or we have to understand that it's not the only option for one, but it's equally as important for them to see the options to express their anger and their emotions as it is to rebuild and restore from those things. Uh, do you remember, I don't even know where we were. Maybe it was Lavic Lake or somewhere out there. We were in 29 Palms. We were, we were doing a field op out there and I can't even remember what the details of what we were doing, but it, it was way out north on the base. Uh, and we went out there and we took the LEVs out and we were doing stuff, whatever it was. It was so hot and just, a, for me anyways, a, a miserable experience uh, at the time. It was, <laughs> it was hot. It was long days. It was just, in, especially inside the LAV, you know, you get tired, you get hot, you get grumpy, you get stressed, you get frustrated, you're hungry, you're tired, all these things all at once. And you, especially in your position. And then you have to worry about and work through all of the squad leaders' issues and still run a platoon and still communicate with the platoon commander. And <laughs> Man, I, I can't even imagine 
on that day specifically, that field up, I can't even imagine what that must have been like on top of every other human factor you were facing in your life and whatever it was, I don't know. Um, you know, the AC broke in your truck and you had a flat tire and all whatever. It could have been anything. How you have to balance or how you had to balance those things. Like you brought up a point when we took a break a little bit ago that being that King Kong beat your chest kind of guy, sort of alpha male type responses or stereotypical type responses to problems isn't always the way to go. Uh, have you heard of Jordan Peterson? Can't say that I have. He's uh He's got now a, a pretty more, I guess, prominent social media following as well uh, and his own podcast. Anybody who hears this, uh, if you're familiar with him, I'm probably going to butcher this. I don't know actually if he's a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but he's a clinical physician of some sort. He said, I'm pretty sure he said it first anyways, that as a man, as a person, it's important to be that alpha male, but it's more important to learn how to control it, not to make it dissipate. And so that way it's there when you need it as an optional response, but you've got other ways to go about managing it and maintaining it. Do you, do you find that to be relevant? I think that's absolutely 100% correct. You don't want to ever lose that edge. I think that to be very relevant. You need it when you need it. People are going to, unfortunately, the world we live in today, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, look what happened in Buffalo, New York. I'm going to kind of caveat to what you said earlier about scapegoating on the military, but the, the military is not a scapegoat. It's what we learn and what people need to understand. Everything we learn there is for survivability. We have to have survivability. And that's a whole different situation of life. But when you learn that at 18, it tends to become your way of life. I'm sure there I'm sure there are some people in the military that have adapted and done just fine. For me, the hardest part about the military was rejoining the civilian world. But we have to have that alpha male that's not in everybody, it's not on everybody. And and, and he's absolutely right. When to use it and when to not. And I think the way I would relate to that is I think that's who I was trying to be in this house, in my household, in my family. I'll relate it to my family. To me, that alpha male respects the queen. Mm -hmm. um, it just works just as hard. And it, and we have to realize it's a team. The difference in how I relate that to the military is, you know, in the military, I get the word, then I pass it to squad leader. So it all goes downhill, right? That's how we pass the word. So at each level, the, the platoon sergeant platoon commander gets to stand up there, pound their chest, give the overview picture. Then you hand it off to the squad leaders. They go off and they prepare their teams to get to pound their chest. Then you hand it off to the fire team leaders. They get to pound their chest. So there's a there's a time and place when you need that and be that leader and put people in check and do whatever. And, it, and that applies in life as well. Again, tying it back to what I told you about earlier, the honesty, when I am pounding my chest, is that the right time to be doing it? Mm -hmm. And who's, what is the reason that I'm pounding my chest? Do I have a real reason? And it doesn't have to be in a heated moment. It doesn't have to be in a just a regular moment and i'll, I'll give you uh, a scenario that just happened the other day house caught on fire four uh four houses down from me two nights ago mm. um my streets were covered with cop cars and and where my house is i wanted to get to my driveway i seen a way to get to my driveway and i'm pulling in and one of the local cops walks up to me and asks me what the hell are you doing i said i'm going to my house he said oh okay go ahead and i'm like now here here's where we have to realize and this is my ignorance because most people would have realized, hey, this guy's all worked up. He's been helping people. He's stressed, number one. He's keeping people at bay. And he's also a volunteer firefighter, and he had to pull second duty and help them. 
Mm. But because I was already frustrated, his comment, he comes up to me, he says, okay, go ahead and park it. My comment to him was like, okay, you weren't going to fucking stop me anyway. Why? Because I could not take the time to realize his situation. And the problem is because I, and this is where the honesty comes out. I bragged him on, yeah, I told that son of a bitch. <laughs> and then later that night, I'm like, what was so necessary about that? Yeah. I wanted to pound my chest and prove my point that you aren't going to stop me from getting to my house. Yeah, humility no goes point. a long way, but it doesn't make you less of a man, you know? No. Maybe even more so. That. Yeah. We view it that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the perception becoming reality, right? And, and I... I <laughs> I hate the phrase, but I think I hate the phrase because of the connotation. It doesn't detract from the fact that it's true. You know, there's, there's different ways to apply it. Uh, but let's let's take a break for a couple minutes. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about your point towards survivability and austere environments and sort of the environment that that cultivates physically, mentally, whatever. And then also we'll get into the reality of other people's perceptions, let's call it. But we'll be back here in just a second on SDYT, the podcast. Alrighty, folks, this is Porter with the Transacting Value Podcast. If you haven't heard of Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me tell you about it. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. That means from an app, a desktop, both. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or even Stitcher. And there's plenty more where you can choose from. It's basically all you need to make a podcast all in one place. And Anchor is totally free. So if you're interested and you want to find some value for your values, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. If you're looking for high quality, locally sourced groceries, the Keystone Farmer's Market is the place to be. Alongside our signature homemade boiled peanuts, we strive to offer only the best locally sourced pasta, baked goods, jams and jellies, farm eggs and dairy products, meats, and even seafood, as well as a great selection of fresh produce. That's the Keystone Farmer's Market at 12615 Tarpon Springs Road in Odessa, Florida. The place with the boiled peanuts. Right. You haven't even told us the name yet. What are we supposed to tell our families? All the metadata. Have you considered the blockchain? And then when are we supposed to tell all our friends anyway? How are you going to ensure that all of the listeners know where to find anything? How am I supposed to tune in to a podcast that I've saved to my library and now has a different name? How are people going to find what were the episodes? Why are you changing the name to begin with? What about the listeners? Well, now what? Guys, guys, I got it. All right, it's going to be a phased approach. We're going to ensure between April and what's going to be our July 4th interview on SDYT, the podcast, to transacting value. It fits better. It fits our market. It fits our niche. It fits our intentions better. It's still real people with different perspectives talking over shared values. I'll take care of it. SurvivalDadYT at gmail.com is still the active email address. Facebook profile, the Instagram profiles, the TikTok profiles, everywhere you've been accessing this media stays the same. I'm still your host. For now, this is still SDYT the podcast. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to SDYT the podcast. Again, I'm Porter. I'm your host sitting here with Brandon Thompson. We're talking about basically brutal honesty with yourself, your emotions, and, and your critiques towards yourself. And this is all obviously for self-growth, but what we've been covering is respect, courage, and integrity. There's a threshold where the 
sort of structural integrity of your own traumas, of your own demons that we've sort of alluded to throughout this episode, this interview so far is that they're valid. There, there are some legitimate physical and mental rebounds and effects that can come from whatever traumas you've experienced. Like that, that integrity has a, a value and you, you've got to respect that, right? Like we talk about within a family structure, within the military, we talk about mutual respect and the importance for having it or interpersonal relationships of any kind. Some of those relationships also have to categorically involve what's happening between both sides of your brain and how you're processing these issues. And you got to respect that that carries some weight. And that's at least the way that I've found to accept and process some of the maybe grief, maybe remorse, maybe happiness, maybe whatever to, to get through with it. So before we get into more of those topics, first of all, to all of our listeners, welcome back. Brandon, welcome back. Yes, sir. There's a point we had talked about this. It's it's sort of a military adage now, I think, and it'll go down in infamy, but perception is reality. I think the connotation is mostly negative, right? Like if I think you're doing poorly, you must be. So we're going to address that before it gets worse, right? And be intrusive, but it's not always a negative thing, even though that's the weight that it usually carries. And in, in my opinion, where, and, and Brandon, I'm curious your opinion on this as well. More often than not, if somebody thinks you're doing poorly or it's going to reflect poorly on somebody or something or some unit's reputation, it's going to get treated that way or adjudicated that way in some cases. But what about when things are going well? Do you find that, I think this person's doing a great job, so they must actually be doing a great job. Where's the benefit of the doubt lie? Either in the military or after. It's up to you. But just Right. Man, that's tough because and and I'll use my I'll use my current job, which is just I don't think I told y'all exactly what I do. Uh, I do quality assurance and quality control on different documents. But, you know, the, the problem is when you use that phrase, perception is reality. And I, I, I agree with you. I love and hate that thing so much mm-hmm. because it does perceive such a negative perception. It, it, that's how we look at it. It's how we use it. We use it for negativity. In fact, I don't think it's used enough for positivity. We just, oh, yeah, they're doing good. Or we have to prove why somebody's doing so good. Whereas if perception's reality, when they're messing up, we don't have to prove anything. We just, oh, we're going to fix it regardless. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of who we are by nature as people. Oh, we're going to fix that problem. Maybe it's not necessarily that they're screwing up. Maybe it's the situation dictating what they're doing. Again, you can go down a thousand rabbit holes trying to figure that out. But I do agree with you. It, it does carry a very, very big negative conversation. And, it, and it's not used enough for positivity or for the good when somebody's doing good. And in fact, when somebody's doing good, oh, hey, pull their numbers. I want to see this. I want to see that. Prove it. But I didn't have to prove why he was doing something wrong. We're just going to fix it. Yeah. You know, we don't use that on ours. You know, if you're going to apply that to everybody else, then apply that to your life and uh, and see how far you get. And that's going to be hard because you have to be honest with yourself. Think about the next time you talk to your kid and you're like, well, perception is reality. Was I yelling at my kid? No, but your actions said you were, mm-hmm. you know, so if you're going to apply that in one way, make sure you apply it to yourself and it, and, it, and it's hard. And I, I try to stay away from that, but it's something that in my line of work, we use often for negativity, but that's what we're looking for. But it's not even just like a third person perspective. Just changing my perspective has helped drastically improve my outlook and the way that I'm identifying or observing or taking in new information. It's ironic. You know, you go to boot camp as whoever you were before you left. 
And this goes, and you can ask anybody. I'm only speaking in terms of the Marine Corps, and it's nothing against the Marine Corps. It's just my only piece of experience. But whoever you were before you go to boot camp, you were. And when you leave and graduate boot camp, oh, they're not even the same person anymore. They're totally different. They've become something. You slayed the dragon on top of the mountain in a pillar of fire. You know, you've, uh, it's an old commercial reference for anybody who's unfamiliar, but you've gotten to become a different person. Oh, your friends don't even recognize you anymore. You know, and the way the recruiter spins that is a positive impact and a positive change. Like you'll be more, nobody will recognize you. True, true, usually for the better, but it is true. You are, you're going to see things differently, right? And you, you view things differently, problem sets differently, relationship building differently, coping is different. The way you build relationships is different. The way you communicate is different. We grunt, right? And there's a whole Morse code of grunts. We could get by, you know, it's all sounds. Uh, the point being a few years ago, I don't know if this is before or after you ended up getting out. There was a document that went out about sustaining the transformation. And the article itself was about all the positive impacts of how much progress we've made as a Marine Corps and as Marines and where that's gotten us now, which has been phenomenal since, you know, Tripoli or, or, or Banana Wars or, or whatever in the past that to this point, to a very valid and, and certain degree, our character is still intact, despite whatever the Marine Corps had to do around the world over the last, well, few decades, a couple hundred years. I think interestingly in sustaining the transformation my other perceived impact of that phrase is that's how we're bred. Once you graduate boot camp for however many contracts, however many years your career lasts, to sustain that perspective, sustain that transformation, right? But the for our listeners, the impact and purpose behind the Marine Corps' either expeditionary capability or lethality or whatever is to be able, and more to your point, Brandon, to be able to survive in austere environments. So that's what it requires, that transformation at boot camp. There's a reason it's structured that way. It's not, I've, I've heard some people call it brainwashing. And I guess, <laughs> sure, if you want to say that, right? But you're not making robots. You're making people who are mentally adept at surviving in austere environments. That's physical environments. That's mental environments. That's emotional environments. It's whatever. But it's all-encompassing. And so then if that's all you know, as, say, a teenager, 18 years old, to, I don't know, let's say four to eight years in the Marine Corps, you get out, you're in your mid-20s somewhere, well then, that's all you know. Like you said earlier, that's all your brain is developed to accommodate. That's that's how you see the world. That's the transformation you've sustained. Absolutely. Families aren't meant to be austere. Life isn't meant to be, I guess, <laughs> relatively austere, depending on how you perceive it and, and what you, you surround yourself with. In sustaining a transformation from boot camp through your career of what was necessary for an austere environment, you've since, again, unlearned those habits and thought processes and relearned a way to integrate in a more positive impact with your family, with life, with the society and the environment that you now are living in, your career, the city, the people, the whatever. How do you sustain that transformation? What outlets do you use? What do you have? So, and I think that's a phenomenal question, but one of the things I do it's taken me a lot of years. I've been looking for something where I could go associate with other veterans, but I had to find the right thing to fit me. I, I tell you all, there, there's millions of great organizations out there. Um, the one I finally found for myself was the the VGA or Veterans Golf Association. And I played in my first tournament yesterday and I met 
just some of the most phenomenal people. They're, they're happy to talk to you. They, you know, most of them are just great people having a great time. People from Arkansas, Texas, driving up to play in a tournament. It, it's just really nice. That's what I have found that fits me. It's competitive, but it's, you know, it's all about me and what I'm doing on the golf course and having a good time with other veterans. But I depend on nobody else. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? In the competition, in the realm of sports, I depend on nobody else. Sure. It doesn't matter how good you hit the ball or I hit the ball. Everything is on me. And so that's what I love about it. I have nobody to blame but myself. The funny thing is you ask me how I sustain that. The positivity that I use to sustain that, I truly wake up every morning, seven days a week. I legitimately walk into the bathroom and I tell myself how good I look because I will look no worse than I do when I get out of bed. My hair's all jacked up and I got a big old beard. I know I don't look any worse than that. I'm not going to look any worse than that. And I look myself in the mirror and I tell myself how good of a day it's going to be. Throw some water on my face. Yep. I look damn good. And I build self-confidence that way. So I started my day off right. And then there's a, and I wish I could remember his name. I think he's an, it's an old video of a motivational speaker on Facebook I found. It made the most sense to me. A lot of people say, oh, don't worry about the small stuff. But if you don't worry about the small stuff, how does the big stuff get done? Sure. That's number one. Number two, find the smallest task when you wake up in the morning and complete that task. Why? Because if the rest of your day goes to hell and you don't complete one thing, one more thing, you completed that one task. And you know what that first task is? Is making your rep. And the funny thing is, that guy was a Navy SEAL. I wish I could remember his name. And I could oh, probably. I think it was Admiral McRaven. Yeah. On, and it, he's at a college college deal giving us. Yeah, in his white stuff. Yeah, yeah. I just listen to people speak like that. I find people who have succeeded in life, and I find those motivational people because I'm tired of being negative. I'm tired of being negative. And I felt that the life I was leading was breeding negativity because of my anger, my my own issues that I was unwilling to deal with. So I just found positivity and I choose to be happy. It makes the most sense. doesn't matter what happens the rest of the day. You completed one task, mm-hmm. you know, and he goes on to talk about fighting the sharks, you know, in, in the water and stuff like that. You just got to keep fighting and we get tired of fighting, but you got to find out what motivates you. I told you earlier before we started, there's a song that I listen to probably daily mm-hmm. and it's brutal. I think most of the world needs to hear it. Because it talks about change and quit making excuses. Who's going to win? The guy in the mirror or the guy standing outside the mirror? Mm, Figure like it out. And, and to me, that's what that song relates. Again, it's hard. It's easy to get up in front of the mirror and say, yep, I look good. Fix myself up. Okay, I'm happy. Are you truly happy, though? Tell you right now, I weigh 280 pounds. Okay, not a big deal. Do I need to exercise? Probably, but I'm happy. Mm-hmm. That's what matters. That's what we have to find in our honesty. What makes us happy? It doesn't make me happy being 300 pounds, so I ain't going to be 300 pounds. (laughs) I'm not happy drinking all the time. Okay, so don't drink all the time. I'm not happy smoking. So don't. whatever you're not happy doing, then quit it. Find the support group that helps you. Find that person that will help you and keep you in check. But internally, to do that, you have to be honest with yourself. And it's going to hurt. It's going to make you happy. It's going to make you cry. It's going to make you want to punch wall. I promise your fight's not going to be the same as mine. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. If you're the person listening, find the person that will listen to you, but won't try to relate to your situation. 
Find the person that's going to relate to your emotions. We're trying to find the person that, oh, well, they've been through that same exact scenario. It was different for them. Find somebody that will listen to your emotions and can relate to your emotions and give you a true outside perspective. I got friends to this day. They've called me. Hey, man, I've done this. And then, hey, you screwed up. You're wrong. But I expect the same treatment. Mm-hmm. That's so valid. That, yeah. That, that's, that's the fight. And that's where the honesty comes in. Quit blaming people when it wasn't their fault. I told you before we started recording, in the Marine Corps, outside the Marine Corps, for the longest time, I didn't know how to build friendships. The last maybe five years of the Marine Corps, I finally understood how to build a friendship. And I lost probably a lot of a lot of damn good friends because I didn't know how to be a friend. You know, I took advantage of a lot of people that I guess in short, yeah, I regret it. I'm sorry. You know, but it only took me, I don't know, probably 18, 20 years to come to grips with that instead of blaming them for whatever. It's tough. It's an uphill process, but at least now you're able to do it at your own pace. And that, that counts for a lot. Yes. Like you said, people change. And so who people were, who people were, who somebody was, whatever, 30 years ago, likely isn't who they are 30 years later. And so they may very well have something that you can gain or, or some insight that you can get, even if you weren't on the best terms then. Maybe you right. can be on better terms now. And it's organizations like you brought up, the Veterans Golf Association, for example. You said, I think it was VGA.com, if anybody is interested, mm-hmm. that you can find those types of outlets. And it's just something, right? But everybody needs something. Whether you use it or not is irrelevant. It's, it's a starting right. point and it's potential that you could acquire and use if you needed to. For any of our listeners that want to get in touch with you over any of the topics we discussed or just to reach out maybe because they worked with you in the past and want to reconnect or, or whatever, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Brandon Thompson at facebook.com. It's going to have a five foot two woman with two little kids on it. Um, <laughs> uh, just send me a friend request. Do you, you prefer know, you anything can, else? Instagram, email, anything like that? Hit me on email thompsonbd1979 at gmail.com. I check my email maybe once or twice a week. If you want to get a hold of me, that that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. Okay. Um, messenger is a good way as well. Okay. All that being said, man, I appreciate you blocking out some time where we could sit down and talk and really just reconnect over quite a bit of things. I think even the last like sort of deeper type conversation we had, we were in an open well deck floating in the Pacific somewhere. Uh, getting snowed on while I was on LAV watch. I think you were walking the flight deck that night. It was a good <laughs> conversation. One where we, did we go to Japan on that one? Is we that did. when we went to the tsunami? Uh huh. That yeah. was uh, Fukushima. Yeah. Yeah. When we, we, but we did cross the equator. Yeah, we sure did. <laughs> we, we, we got the show back. <laughs> we sure did. Yeah. There was a lot of cool times. And you know what? Uh, we can revisit some of that again if you're interested. Maybe we can do a part two or, or have you back later on in the year, too, if you got the opportunity. That'd be cool. We can talk just, about some more stuff. Just hit me up, man. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate Please. it. That'd be pretty legit. Yes. But saying that to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you've got any comments, critiques, or topics you want to hear covered as well, send an email to survivaldadyt at gmail.com. Reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram at SurvivalDadYT. Check us out on Twitter at SurvivalDadYT1 or on TikTok. We've got a few exclusive bits of content on TikTok, but we've also got coverage for SDYT, the podcast. So to all of our listeners, thank you very much for stopping in to hang out and listen. And Brandon, thanks for giving us the opportunity again, man. I really appreciate it. Anytime. All right, man. Well, with that, um, Porter, I'm your host, and that was SDYT, the podcast. (laughs) 